welcome back to Four at the Back. And uh, today we're going to take a deeper look at England's World Cup tournament, um, how that's progressed. And of course, with the news that Gareth Southgate has, has signed on to continue leading the team, where England might be going in the run up to the next Euros, which is really only 18 months away. What with the World Cup having been um, rather unusually in November and December. So I've got Joe and Pete here with me tonight. Um, and yeah, we're just going to kind of look at England's tournament, look at the players, look at the squad, how it might evolve and um, any grand takeaways. So I guess to, to start us off, what would be your overall impressions of England at the World Cup this time around, given, you know, the kind of fairly low expectations going in after a pretty rotten run of form um, during the spring and the summer? I thought they did pretty well on the whole. There was the the America game where they really didn't seem to turn up particularly and they got uh, out fought for the lack of a better description and were lucky not to lose it. Other than that, I thought they were probably the better team in all of their other games, including against France. It's just so happens that France, as I said in the episode with Mazley, the week they don't have to play that well to win. Uh, they played pretty badly in the World Cup final for 70 odd minutes and still managed to take it all the way to penalties. So we're not the only team that that kind of came up against that, although they didn't have to produce as much to beat us as they did to draw it with Argentina, but that's that's by the by. Uh, I did think England were the better side for more of the game in that game. I thought some of the Senegal game was disappointing, but also it wasn't as bad as some people subsequently made out. It was more that England were ineffective with the ball and Senegal in flashes looked like they were going to do more with it, but... It wasn't as if England still didn't have most of the, the possession. It's just they, they have this, sometimes uh, have this ability to look really toothless, you know, even though they hold on to the ball most of the time. Uh, better team against Iran, and obviously they were really clinical there, and, and better team quite comfortably against a Wales team that had, had gone on too far. So America aside, I don't think you can be overly critical. And yeah, it's, they lost to a team who made the final because they were that little bit more experienced, that little bit more clinical and had a couple of half chances and scored two goals. And um, if that second penalty had gone in, who knows what might happen from there? I don't have that much to add from what Pete said. I think we, given where we were over the summer, I think, I think they, they exceeded expectations. It's amazing how quickly we can sort of forget how bad things were, you know, a few months ago, just with, just by demolishing one golf nation in the first uh, the, the first game uh, of the group stage. I think we looked more comfortable in those sort of pressure moments than we have in previous tournaments. I think obviously the, the emergence of players like Jude Bellingham at this level bodes really well for the future. Reasonably young players still like Foden, Rashford, Saka all had sort of really sort of positive tournaments um players whose positions were sort of under question at the start of the tournament players like harry Maguire played really well i can't really argue with um with southgate's decision to play him from the start and um and play him all the way through so i think this is a tournament where england actually come away with more credit than than uh, than not 
which is a weird thing to say after a after a major tournament because I'm I'm really not used to it. You know, I've I've been watching England in in tournaments since 1996, and you know, 96 and 98, I think we we actually did reasonably well, and you you felt that there were missed opportunities. Ever since then, up until 2018, it was just dross. It was horrible. 2002 aside, mm, and 2004 even, was pretty good as well. Yeah, I mean, but even I mean, you you come out of it think feeling like we you know we we should have gotten more out of it really. 2018, we didn't go in with any expectations at all. It's not really comparable. I think this one, again, expectations were reasonably low, and maybe that's a deliberate thing. Maybe that's the trick actually. Lose your last four games before you go into a major tournament, and then no one expects you to do anything. So that maybe that was a tactic all along, um, but actually I'm, I'm I'm reasonably positive going forward. Looking forward to the Euros in 2024. Um, looking forward to the World Cup in 2026. I think that, that as a as a squad we're in a good place. Obviously there were question marks over Gareth Southgate as to whether or not he would be there, but I think almost overwhelmingly, in the sort of pundits in the in the media wanted him to stay which again feels like a weird thing after a again a, a, a relative failure when we were perhaps in a position to do better than we did people wanting the managers to stay on which perhaps shows how far England as a as a team have come in the last 5 years or so I think it's always the uh, the discourse around around England it's always too extreme one way or the other. I feel like it always spins either too positive or too negative, you know, like, so, um, I mean, I, I think, I think Sven's era is probably due a massive reappraisal. I think, I think, you know, he did a, a pretty good job with those England teams. And I think quarterfinals of those tournaments was about England's level. And yeah, with a bit of luck, he could have gone further. You know, England are basically a quarterfinal team since 1966 really with 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 the odd exception and and actually if you kind of if you look at the last however many world cup finals you know you know germany are in a load of them italy are in a load of them france are in a load of them you know argentina are in a load of them and actually if you look at it i mean apart from the two they've won you've not really seen that much of brazil in them either so it's like you, there are no guarantees in international football I think the strength of our squad is probably much overstated. And I think the the sign a sign of the good job that Southgate has done is there are some actually some quite glaring weaknesses in that squad. It it's very well served for versatile forwards and fullbacks. At least when all the left backs except Luke Shaw aren't aren't injured, that is. But you know, there's probably one top class centre half in there and even you know John Stones is wildly inconsistent you kind of you've got a lack of genuine midfield options um you know Henderson is about to age out now so there's no real obvious replacement for Jordan Henderson kicking around and a lot of people have mentioned Harvey Elliott I don't think he's there yet so there are there are some obvious ways his goalkeeper like I think Pickford has to be phased out now. Um, that's your many shot. I don't think that should be going in. You know, good hit though it was. Um, so, you know, Southgate's done a good job because he's managed his resources pretty well. You know, you've seen with Deschamps. I mean, Deschamps is basically a souped up Southgate, isn't he? I mean, uh, you know, you you 
manage international tournament football by being conservative and by, you know, having some good attacking players that turn up. Um, and that actually seems to be the the recipe for, for international success. And you can see that with Argentina as well, because, you know, Messi aside, they were pretty a pretty workmanlike team. So, you know, he's got the recipe right. It's just that you are reliant on a stroke of luck and you can't legislate for things like one of the best penalty takers on the planet missing a second penalty in a in a game. Albeit, I'm pretty sure the fact that he was taking against Lloris, who he plays with for Spurs, probably played a big part in that because, um, you know, if there's anyone that, that Kay might, might think twice about hitting a penalty against, it's probably Lloris because he's done it so many times in training. But I think overall... You know, you'd have to say that that Southgate has has sort of progressed it because 2018 was very much a kind of, you know, five at the back, keep it tight, score from set pieces. And they've played more progressive football as each tournament has gone on. And actually against France, they pretty much went toe to toe with them for the whole 90, which is, I think, a sign of how far they've come. Um, So, yeah, some big decisions to make now about where he takes it in the future in terms of what he evolves. But certainly with the squad he had, I think, I think you know you're a slice of luck away from a semi-final Morocco, and then who knows, who knows what could happen after that. So, uh, so yeah, I think a good tournament from them. You know, it was it was well managed throughout. I maybe think the end of the France game, a bit more cautions the wins. Maybe chuck on a Madison. You just never know. A bit of quality from a player like that. You know that's not really in his nature to do. So um, let's let's think about where we're gonna where we're gonna take England in the future. Then some some fairly uh, key players over the last five years, as Joe said, like are you know probably on their on their way out now. I mean, do we think Maguire is playing at Euro twenty four, for example? A lot. It's going to depend on how he goes at Man United. I don't think it does. I, I think, I, it, I, I think I, it has to. I mean, unless he moves on. I mean, it, I mean, it clearly hasn't this year. Yeah, one year is different from three. If he doesn't I mean, play, if he doesn't play for three years. I mean, put it this way: I, I, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll be at Man United this time next year. I, I think that they will. They will cut their losses on him because you know. It, it, they spend an awful lot of money paying the wages for someone who is probably going to sit on the bench because they probably can do better and they have done better. You know, Mar- Martinez has, has has come in and, and made it stick. Um, I don't see Maguire getting back in anytime soon. He I probably get to Leicester, won't he? Get back I to Leicester. To Leicester. I mean, they're, they're, but I think there are plenty of Premier League teams who would have him. And certainly based on how he's performed in this tournament, there'll be plenty of Premier League teams who think, actually you know maybe he's just been in a bit of a, a shit environment because man united has been an absolute basket case for i was going to say the for the last two years but it's been even longer than that hasn't it yeah um so maybe it's, it's just not maybe it's just not the environment for him and clearly there is an environment for him because he's played very well playing under gareth southgate for england he did well at leicester he did well at hull maybe he's not that bad a player it just he just doesn't fit that the way that Man United want to play no he doesn't he's not a bad player of course he's not I think I I question if 
England want to play this this progressive front foot style, which it seems they're evolving towards, given that they they you know because of Bellingham, Saka, etc. Is is Maguire? Because you have to play around his limitations a little bit, which England have done, and he obviously plays well within that that system that Southgate's always used. But I guess the question is, is anyone else going to emerge? I mean, Southgate doesn't seem to kind of be convinced by Tamori, who a lot of people would be be calling to get a game. I mean, Tamori could have played for Canada, so he must be feeling a little bit uh, annoyed, probably. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to see if there's going to be anyone that comes through that you know potentially could be taking that shirt away from him. I mean, there's the there's the lad at Crystal Palace, isn't there? Um, okay, yeah. People, people talk about um, and he had a little bit of a look, but not. I don't think he was ever particularly serious about him. I think he, ultimately for this tournament, Maguire is always going to play. Maybe he will rethink it over the next, because he's got two years now before the next tournament. I think the turnaround between the Euros last year and the World Cup meant it was probably a little bit too short notice to start making wholesale changes to um, the way you play. But again, if no one sticks their hand up, he's the man in possession. Um, yeah. He's only 29. And, he, he, and well. he's... He, I don't think he's done anything to warrant being dropped unless somebody sort of, you know, suddenly starts playing out their skin or suddenly looks like, you know, the, the safest, the, the safest player we've, we've seen, you know, for, for years. I don't see anyone displacing him based on what we've seen this, this season. Of course, there's time to do it, but I, I think there are other, probably other areas of the pitch that need more attention. We don't know what they're going to do at right back. I assume it'll be Reece James well, if he, I mean, if he stays they, fit. But. They've got so many options at right back. I mean, you know, because it's like Kyle Walker has not lost a single step. So could, I mean, he seems to be someone that's going to keep his pace until he's like 36 or something. But but I, I imagine that Reese James is going to be first choice. It's a shame for Trent. But the thing is, is that Liverpool system's built around him and Southgate's not going to build England's yeah. system around, around Trent. So as talented a player as he is, you know, I just don't see it unless Jurgen Klopp becomes England manager. Like, I can't <laughs> see Trent getting a, you know, a serious run in England yeah. shirt. You know, but it's almost it's almost the Glenn Hoddle situation from the 80s. You know, like Glenn Hoddle was the most talented footballer in the country. Didn't mean, you know, but England was built around Brian Robson. So he he, he didn't get he didn't get a fair shake of it, you know, in, in, in the role he played for Spurs. And it's it's one of those things. Um sometimes that as good a player as they are they just don't quite fit into the national setup for, for for whatever reason um what about what about that shuttling midfielder role then the role that Rabiot plays for France and I think it was quite obvious like Rabiot had a you know really really good game against us and you know that's a role that Henderson obviously played to perfection at Liverpool in the last four years five years under Klopp but obviously, kind of, you know, he his body's starting to break down and, and and probably won't see another international tournament. So, who do we see fitting in there? Answers on the question. Yeah, well, I, I suppose that I wouldn't really sort of see it as necessarily replacing Henderson like for like necessarily. You, you got, I suppose, you want a complementary midfielder to Bellingham and Rice because I think those two. That they are, they're nailed on. 
Do you move um, Rice forward to play that shuttle role and drop Phillips back in there as, as the holder? Because I mean, I guess if Phillips gets a run of, ever gets a run of games for City, that is. I mean, uh, it's, ho- but, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Like I, I think, and Southgate, is, if if anything, has proven that he is quite adept at the horses for courses thing. He's um, he can drop. He, he, I think he's gotten to the point where he can just drop a player in to play a certain role against a certain team, and then switch it up for the next game with you know it's not completely seamless but it, it seems to work quite well um i think that the, the the x factor for england now is bellingham like i know it's, it can be easy to get carried away about someone who who has you know, a good few games but to do it on the stage that he has at the age that he has um and it's you know i think the, the most telling thing about it was that nobody was surprised uh, he's nailed he on it. for the next 15 years now oh yeah I mean, um, injury permitting, he's, he's he's not going anywhere. I think it's the fact that he can play different roles depending on what the game situation needs. Uh, he seems to have the sort of the game intelligence to be able to do that. Um, teams are already trying to mark him out of the game, um, which inevitably opens up space for, for other players if they can take they can take advantage of it. I think I was um, pleased that Southgate played him in his Dortmund role which is essentially a kind of free eight as opposed to, I think a lot of people that don't watch a lot of German football uh, assumed that he was number six mm-hmm. and he isn't, he isn't that like he, he absolutely, I mean, he, he's a talented footballer. He could play there if he wants him to, but, but he's a proper number eight, you know, he's a box to box player. He's got some attributes of a 10 and some attributes for six, but, but really he is, he is that classic number eight and you need to play him as a classic number eight. So I'm pleased that Southgate did that. You almost need to pick whoever's going to let Bellingham play, build the team around him. Well, you mean double pivot behind him? If, I mean, at at times, yeah. But I mean, mean, he he can play in that, he can play in the part of that double pivot as effectively as anywhere in the world. I suppose what I'm saying is, you know, if, if you want, if you want your team to be sort of more attacking, then play a more attacking player in front of him or alongside him. If you need to, to, to shore the team up, play him in front of the double pivot. I mean, if they keep that 4-3-3, then the way that sets up in modern football is, you know, you have the free eight, which is just, yeah, which is, which is kind of Bellingham's role. So it's almost like an eight and a half. You have the shuttler, which is like your Rabiot role, which is kind of, you know, basically just you know sort of run, running up and down and filling in gaps and you know and being a passing option and then you've got the holder which at the moment is rice but if you look at the way rice plays at west ham he doesn't play as a six for west ham he plays as a, a more dynamic player so I, I i kind of figure that with the personnel they currently have the most obvious thing to do would be to move rice into the henderson role and to and to play phillips as as the holder that has or, one other example uh, really good benefit too which is that to be honest phillips is more replaceable than either rice or bellingham and so if he doesn't ever get that run of games at city uh, or if he you know this injury does maybe knock him a bit longer than than we maybe think that it would have done whatever it is there is always somebody that you can slide in as an out and out defensive midfielder that doesn't necessarily have to be as good a footballer as rice so there is that there too and there, because i've just been kind of 
what we're talking there, looking around, kind of thinking about who could do it, and looking even at people that haven't been called to the England squad, there really isn't anybody like leaping out at me that we haven't turned to. So unless someone completely off the radar sticks their hand up, then there isn't anybody else. Yeah, I think I think we're producing lots and lots of really good attacking midfield players and wingers, mm. but we are not really producing centre halves, and we are not really producing Bellingham aside proper midfield players. Um, and, and I think that's what, you know, people get a bit overexcited about our squad sometimes. It's like there is a talented group of players, but they all play in the same position. Yes, you could pick any one of, you know, eight or nine. Given that Sancho didn't even make the squad, you've got eight, nine, ten wide attackers that you could chuck in there. But in midfield, like... Beyond the starters, the cupboard is is quite bare, you know. Um, I mean, I, what do you do with Mason Mount? I mean, the thing is, is that it, there must be something about the kid because every manager that that comes into Chelsea makes him a linchpin of their team. And I think it's he's obviously tactically very intelligent. He takes on instruction well. He'll sacrifice himself for the team, but he doesn't influence games enough. And he's he, not, he doesn't he doesn't score goals. He doesn't create goals. He doesn't. He's an assist. To be fair to him, he's an assist before the assist guy, um, which is a what do they call it? A, a second second yeah, assist. Yeah, it's it's a valid it is a valid kind of um, role that he plays. And you know, people like Thomas Tickle aren't going to pick you if you're not a really good footballer. But it's it's interesting to think about like at Chelsea. Obviously, he's played mostly as a kind of pressing attacker, not as an out-and-out midfield player. He's got the game intelligence to play as an eight, but obviously if you've got Bellingham there and you want Bellingham to be your attacking eight, then that means that unless you're playing Iran, it's difficult to get away with playing both Mount and Bellingham. So you can only really do that against weaker teams. So against someone half decent, like you do need that Jordan Henderson type of player that's just going to get up and down, do all the dirty work, um, but can also run with the ball, play a pass, get on the end of things, distract people. It's it's a really key role. And, and you know, like you can't underestimate how important Henderson has been to Klopp. Like every one of Klopp's teams has had a player like that. And it's such an important role. But it's like, you know, it's a really specialist role. And we don't really seem to have anybody that's kind of ready made to replace that. So that's that's gonna be quite an interesting one. Left backs the other interesting one. Like, does Chilwell, if fit, is he an ob- you know is he an obvious starter over Shaw? Shaw had a really good tournament, I thought, I, by the way. I mean, again, I mean, Shaw's played two. Shaw's had two really good tournaments. I, I I don't see. I mean, I mean, the, the fitness Chilwell's fitness is also an issue. Like, he doesn't ever seem to be fit for for long enough. But again, Shaw is the man in possession, isn't he? Yeah, and, and, he, and, and, and he in the a... absence of anybody else performing, why would I mean? I, I, you know, there was there was a question mark over because uh, obviously Malasia was playing for for United ahead of him, and he seems to have got gone back in now. Um, Confidence player, isn't he? I mean, like basically, yeah, it's definitely. almost like United's strategy seems to be every time he starts playing a bit crap, they sign a new left back, and then suddenly he's motivated to play well again. Um, uh, it's it's an expensive tactic. It is. Um, <laughs> it's like Mourinho. You know, <laughs> was it Mourinho said that time? Like 
um, it was my brain inside Luke Shaw's body. Again, but it, it come, I think it comes down to the environment, doesn't it? Like it, it, Shaw has, I, I can't think of a time in the last or four or five years since Southgate's been in, in post that Shaw's ever re- really let us down. Now, is that enough to necessarily keep your place when you've got you know, other people knocking on the door? Probably not. But who's at the door? Yeah, at I think point. if fit, I do think probably if fit, Chilwell and James would have started the World Cup. But they both got their injuries at, at, at kind of precisely the wrong time for them. Yeah, that's going to be interesting moving forwards. And what about the keeper situation? I know everyone's always going to say Henson's never let England down, blah, 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 except for the, you know, all the times when he has let England down. Um, you mean you mean Jordan Pickford here, don't you? Not not. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, Jordan Pickford, rather. Sorry, I've been talking about Henderson too much. About Henderson on the brain. Um, yeah. So Pickford obviously has his strengths. Southgate really likes him, has consistently picked him. But Ramsdale is potentially going to be a title-winning goalkeeper. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Nick Pope. <laughs> Mass is, is even here. <laughs> Nick Pope is potentially at some point going to be a title winning goalkeeper if Newcastle keep progressing the way that they are. I don't know. They're both th- better keepers than, than Jordan Pickford. I just, uh, they, they just are. I, I don't mean, again, know that that's clear yet. No, I've I, seen them, I, I've seen them both have their moments and look like they were about to displace him and then go off the boil. I, I think they're all capable of being brilliant. And I think they're all capable of being pretty ropey. I, I, what, all of these things that so far is, it doesn't matter what position it is they all come out of the same thing to me nobody is really displacing the people who are already there and I mean it's not a huge problem because we're doing all right at the moment but the potential is you end up like the situation where we got in 2014 when half of the half the team went because nobody was knocking them out you know knocking on the door and they were all just past it and not where they've been for or even eight years earlier in some cases and that's another one for for me is the goalkeeper thing. Yeah, obviously Pickford isn't in the top ten goalkeepers in the world, but I don't know who is yet. I think I think Ramsdale's the obvious one to watch, but he hasn't convinced me yet. I think I think I've seen Ramsdale in big game situations have you know dominant games this season, um, and 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 the fact that you can play. Play so well with his feet as well. Is it? Is I know Pickford's Pickford's good with his feet as well. To be absolutely fair, but um, I don't know. There are just there are times when Pickford's lack of height really does count against him. Like I, I'm almost sure, you know, like with those extra inches, like Pope would have got that too many shot. I'm almost sure of it. Um, for example. This might be one of those situations where, you know, we, we I, I said about Shaw that there's no obvious, um, there's not an obvious banging down the door. I think this is probably the first time since Southgate's been England manager that there is more than one keeper who is, you know, you know Ramsdale, Ramsdale and Pope are banging at the door. Pope did get a chance in the in the Nations League uh, games, and I, I don't think he acquitted himself that well. Um, in, an, in an England shirt, he, he didn't look anything like as uh, convincing as he has uh, as he has for Newcastle this season. He's been absolutely phenomenal for Newcastle this season. The one knock um, on Pope is that he's he's not particularly good with his feet. 
no, he's not. Kind of come, and comes comes from playing for Burnley for, <laughs> for that time. Well, yeah, and the other, <laughs> thing, the, the other knock is he's the oldest of the three who went to the World Cup. So if you are thinking long term, oh, yeah, I know a goalkeeper could conceivably play until he's forty, but if you're thinking longer term, that's the obvious reason to to move from Pickford to Ramsdale is that he's what what is he about twelve and a half? I mean, Nick Pope's already in his thirties. The thing is, I think you've, if, you, if you're going to make the call on the keeper, you've got to do it soon, haven't you? I don't think you can do that, you know, six months before a tournament. I think yeah. if he's going to make the call, he's either got to stick with Pickford and say, you know, and, you know, Pickford is what, 28 now. Um, so he's not like he's, he's he's an old man. It's not like he's, he's he, in theory, he's coming into his prime as a keeper. But if you think... What, what if Everton go down? Does that change things? Sorry, depends on who comes in for Jordan Pickford, then, doesn't it? Yeah, if Everton go down this season, um, and you know, like, I mean, I guess Southgate has, I guess he has shown that. I'm sure he did pick somebody from the Championship at some point. I can't remember who it was, but I'm sure he did. But you know, it, it's it's not a great look to be an England goalkeeper that that gets relegated with their club side. No, well, but that, I, I, I think most Everton fans will tell you that very little of it is Pickford's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, and it, but again, he, he doesn't, I don't think he plays as well for Everton as he does for England. And again, I think it, it possibly comes down to the environment. Um, but Southgate gets something out of him. And uh, with too many goal aside, and even then, I, I probably about half the keepers in that tournament probably would have let it through as well. He's not made that many mistakes in an England shirt. Um, and arguably he's, he's, he's come up trumps more often than he, than he, we might've had question marks over him. So I know, I think that's a tough one. It probably is the one where you think actually, you, if you're going to make a change, make the change now. Um, possibly, and it, I think there's more compelling reasons to do it than for either Maguire or Shaw. I think um, you can go back to some of the things you said earlier on, and it kind of wraps up a lot of how I feel about it to a degree, which is a, a journalist put out on Twitter, like some of the people knocking Southgate, you know, how many of our players, if he's like underperforming with great teams, how many would get in a World eleven? And when you actually start to think of it, it's probably none of them, to be honest. That isn't hasn't been the case with teams who England teams who've done much worse than Southgate's managed to do over the last four years. You know, semi final, final, quarter final. So you add that to what you said about you need luck in international tournaments, and I think that's always the case. It's why it always really bugs me when someone said, "Oh, that was the chance you had to win it." Then that's not how it works. Really good teams have got unlucky. You know, you need the run of the ball when it's such a small sample size as like a knockout stage of an international tournament. So England have done really well over four years or so with players that we're all kind of acknowledged and not necessarily the best of the world in their position. They might do all right in the Euros if they get that luck and they'll probably be well prepared, well drilled. I don't know that any of these here is necessarily the golden bullet that's like, okay, now we're suddenly going to be the best team in the world. They just need, frankly, to learn a bit more, be a bit more experienced and have the run of the the ball. And that's kind of what good teams do. They learn when they're 
they're young, they develop and they get a bit more maturity. And then they've been there before and know how to handle it when they're there again. And hopefully that could be could be England in uh, in the Euros when obviously there won't be a tremendous amount of competition in the international field. The Euros feels like, in some ways, the Euros feels like the 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 best i mean like i say it involves a lot of luck but it does feel like the best chance in the sense that it's probably kane's last tournament as an elite elite player like yes you can see kane going to to the world cup in 2026 um you know as a veteran but you know he will be in his mid-30s by then so it's kind of and given his injuries you just never really know so, you know, Kane's going to be kind of having that that kind of last tournament in his kind of prime era. You know, the likes of Rashford will be banging their prime, you know, and and people like Foden and Bellingham will still be, well, I mean, I mean, and Saka, like, they'll be experienced, but they'll be kind of in that Michael Owen at uh, Japan South Korea 2002, where it's like, they're young, but they are very experienced as well so they've kind of got the best of both worlds so it feels like a good a good opportunity to be sure but obviously you're going to be competing with with France and with Spain and you know you know there's going to be a backlash from Germany um after you know a couple of successive failures in major tournaments so it's not going to be easy by any means and it depends on I mean, they still got to qualify out a really tricky looking qualifying group. That's the other thing. I think it's Italy and Ukraine in their group, which is not going to be easy at all because, you know, Italy are going to be smarting from from not qualifying for the World Cup, having won the Euros. I mean, that's a truly bizarre state of affairs, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it, it's a really good opportunity with this team, with another another 18 months of work behind it to, to do very, very well. But that qualifying campaign, you've got to get that done with first. We talk about sort of Southgate sort of staying on because the job isn't done. I feel like the, the pro- progress has been made. I think, you know, there, there may be some decisions to be made overall, but I think the, the point you make about Kane is an interesting one. Like, does this team, does it still work in the same way in four years? if Kane, you know, Kane is still in that team because he won't be as you don't think he'll be as mobile as he is now um, so do you start planning for a, a time when Kane either plays a little bit further back um, but perhaps he's the one who plays at the top of the, that midfield triangle um, and you start looking for you know for an out and out striker who can who can sort of lead the line going forward when do you make that change or do you think right? This is the 2024 is the last time, as you say, that Kane will be as effective as he is in the, in this current mould. Do you just sort of do you go for it? I think I think you have to surely. Um, yeah, and no, I I think so. I think 100%. so. And and, and yeah, be interesting to me. Yeah, like Kane's career evolution is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. He might do the Alan Shearer thing. You know, after yeah. 24, he might well go. Well, look. I want to give myself five more years at club level uh, to break all the records that I want to break. Um, maybe go out, you know, maybe by then he is at Bayern Munich or Real Madrid. Or, I mean, I hope not, obviously, as a Spurs fan. But, um, but yeah, he might well decide after 24 that, that, that you know, 
and by then he'll be miles past Wayne Rooney at the top of being a goal scoring chart. So he might well decide to bow out then. I mean, I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen by then? But uh, yeah, certainly progress has been made. Um, there was obviously there's no ready-made replacement for Southgate, is there? I think that's the other thing is that. You know, Eddie Howe and Graham Potter are both in jobs, big jobs, which you imagine they'll be in for a long time. And seriously, they're the only English managers that you'd even consider at this point. So, yeah, I think it's the right decision for him to stay. The players love him. And and underrated is the fact that he speaks so eloquently on awkward political issues. I mean, he puts most politicians in this country to absolute shame. Um, He's always been an intelligent guy, like going right way back to kind of his palace days. If you watch like early interviews of him as a palace player when he was a young boy, like he comes across like like he does now then. So yeah, I think I think I think the right choice, just like it would be the right choice for Deschamps to stay on with France, you know. Um they just seem to be managers that are built for international football. I mean the only the only thing that I I, I look at England and and sort of wish that would be sort of applied a little bit more is I mean we we all follow the England cricket team at the moment which is um, an incredibly exciting thing to be watching at the moment with the way that Baz McCullum and Ben Stokes have just given this team which you know a year ago was rubbish absolutely rubbish and they've just created the environment in which they can just go and play without fear of failure without sort of worrying what's going on on the outside and just sort of you know, have complete clarity of thought, and I wonder if if there's any way of of giving that to to this England team because th- their talent, man for man, is undeniable. It's you know, in a, in a couple of years, the, the the ability in that squad could be scary if it's harnessed in the right way. Sadly, I think what you're <laughs> what you're talking about there is really Brazil 1982, and. Um... I think as we saw, like sometimes in football, like the 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 fairy tale ending for the most exciting teams to watch doesn't isn't always there. But uh, but yeah, um, ment- the, the mentality thing, wise, they've they've football, absolutely... football these days. I think is it's it's very process driven. There's 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 very little um, room for individual thought and um, and, and self expression. It has to be very disciplined, and it's only very special players who who kind of can step outside that sort of the Mbappes and the Messies of this world at the moment, everyone else just has to kind of play the tune. And um, it would just be nice just to, just to, just to see if it, what would be possible if you, if you let those players off the leash a little bit. And I, I do feel like they, they are given more these days, but as somebody who's watched um, England in all sorts of sports over the years and been, you know, been let down every four years in, in most of them, just that that thought that you could you could get these players playing without any kind of fear of failure or just complete clarity in what they're doing, um, it w- it would be wonderful to see. I think that's a, a good note to uh, to end us on. Um, any final final thoughts? They're not really. Just to concur with a lot of what's been said, there's no obvious replacement. I don't think they go in for a non-English manager anytime soon after the the way the Capello thing ended uh and yeah i mean he's put himself in the top two or three england managers of, of all time already regardless of what happens so yeah it would have been madness to change 
and I'm looking forward to the next one. You know, hopefully, and there'll be uh, something I can uh, get uh, get a bit more excited about than uh, than the World Cup, either in 2018 or 2022. It'd be nice to actually look forward to one with unbridled enthusiasm for once. All right, so that'll do us for this one, and um, we'll see you next time.